Welcome to our latest data protection tea break. I'm Kirsty Bugle, and in this episode, I will again be borrowing our Data Protection Commissioner, Emma Martins, to discuss the harm and damage that data protection breaches can cause, not to businesses and corporations, but to individuals, normal, average working people like me. Last time, Emma and I discussed the origins of data protection laws and how they evolved from the idea of the right to privacy that in turn came about largely following the tragic events of the Second World War. Today, we're looking at how, when things go wrong, it can cause real harm to people and their families. Emma, once again, thank you for letting me borrow you to educate me about such an important topic. I'm still only learning about data protection, and so far I've been focused very much on what businesses and organisations need to do to adhere to the law, but I haven't really been exposed to the consequences when things go wrong. So what are we talking about here when we refer to the harm caused by a breach? It's a good question and it's a very broad question as well because I think it's important for us to understand first and foremost that um, harms can be caused unintentionally as well as intentionally. So when we're looking at the possible outcomes for individuals of where things go wrong in respect of data, it's not just people intending to do harm. There's a lot of that, to be fair. But it's also things unintentionally going wrong. So the, the intent was good, but the outcome was bad. And when we're looking at data harms, I mean, this is something we hear a lot these days, is the term data harms are real and they really do impact people. And I think that's absolutely right. And think about the vast amount of data that we all leave behind us and how much of our life now is stored in the cloud or on a server or in a file filing cabinet somewhere. What happens to that data is really, really important. And also in this environment, some of these harms are really difficult to articulate today and may not be realised for weeks, months, years to come. And it's not just about material loss. I think that's an important point to make as well. We're not just talking about the loss of money although we can be if you have your password compromised and somebody can get access to your bank account and that sort of thing. That happens a lot. Banks are getting better at dealing with that. But I think we also need to expand that conversation to talk about human dignity and that's where we talk about privacy and the impact and the distress, that sort of language we see in the GDPR and other legislation around data protection. This sense that distress um, can be harm is an important point to make as well. Yeah, because that's one of the things when I was trying to research this ready for our chat, the idea of the actual harm seemed quite difficult to quantify, um, you know, all the legal speak and things about how do you actually prove harm, especially I think when we're looking at maybe the more famous examples of the large data breaches that have been across the news headlines. Yeah, that's right. And harm is very difficult to quantify. And it's also very contextual. So a data breach that affects one person may have very little consequence for them. And the same type of breach uh, for another individual may have catastrophic consequences. When you think about disclosure of, so for example, uh, BCC uh, is a common one we see in emails where a whole list of people are included in the CC box as opposed to the BCC box. Now, if that's just an internal staff memo, uh, for example, here in this office here, if I meant to put it in BCC but I didn't, it's not going to have great uh, outcome in terms of harm for individuals. But if I'm running a clinic for individuals who are having HIV treatment, for example, and I want to email everybody about a change in the clinic time or some other information about the clinic, and they all get copied into each other. So what might seem a very um, trivial act 
can have real huge consequences. And again, you're not talking about necessarily material harm. They haven't, those individuals who have then had their details disclosed to others haven't necessarily lost money or lost an item that belongs to them, but they've lost a sense of personal privacy. And especially when you're talking of things like medical records, but it can go beyond medical records. Uh, and one example we've seen a number of times is individuals may be applying to a job agency and submitting a CV online. And we've had a number of cases in the past where their current employer has had receipt of that um, because the agency sent it out to everybody on their books. So harms can manifest themselves in really different ways. And I think that everybody has their own sense of what harm is like for them. And I think what we mustn't do is write off other people's sense of harm because we may not feel it ourselves. And I think that what the law tries to do is almost force the controller, the organisation who has the data, to think long and hard about the context, that there's not one size fits all, that what is the potential outcome for the individual, what is the potential harm, and it's really thinking about it from a very human-centric perspective, is what could happen. So if you uh, send an email out to the, the clinic, for example, the health clinic, what outcome could that have for the individual? And it's clear that, especially in a small jurisdiction, I mean, Guernsey is very small, so if a bit of data is lost in the street here, the likelihood of somebody you know picking it up is higher than if it was Oxford Street in London. So all, the things, all these things feed into the fact that we're living in a world where every day there are greater opportunities for data misuse, um, and data harms and we need, really do urgently need to start engaging with what those harms look like to try and mitigate them. I suppose one of the things we're all guilty of like you mentioned in the email example is we're quite removed aren't we from those effects of what we do you know because communicating electronically takes you away from that person so we might not be thinking too hard actually about how careful we should be when we're dealing with electronic communications like that. Yeah, and I think in the past, data protection has had a reputation of uh, being simply about sort of clinical technology. But we have seen a shift in that discussion, especially in recent one or two years, where the human nature of this conversation has been emphasised. And that's why you'll see conversations around the sort of ethic, ethical use of data by the big companies like Facebook. It goes beyond what technology allows us to do to explore much more fundamentally about the impact for individuals and of course of society. We've seen how social media feeds can be manipulated to influence things like elections. So individuals are at risk, but also society is more broadly. And the example you give of like CVs being sent out to current employers, I mean, that damage can't really be undone, can it? Because once you know something, it can't be forgotten. I've been working in data protection a long time, and I, but I remember very clearly the, the moment and the day that I understood that data harms were real in a really fundamental way, that prior to that moment, that sort of epiphany really of understanding of this, um, there was a real sense in, in the privacy world that if harm was done, it could be undone. So if data was lost, it could be... It, it could get its home back, uh, it, could be, it could be repatriated, as it were, with its owner. Or if data, data were inaccurate, it could be made accurate, and therefore the individual could have remedy. But there was a moment, it was some years ago now, when I thought, well, data harms now are almost impossible to undo. So once information is out online, if it's wrong, very hard, if not impossible, to get rid of that permanently. So I think we do need to shift our, the lens that we're looking at this through 
from being something which is it's, it's pretty trivial, um, doesn't really affect me, so therefore doesn't matter, to a much broader conversation about what individual harms and indeed society harms really do look like in this data-driven world. Yes, because the harm, you've talked about maybe financial loss and things like that. I think that's probably what we're more accustomed to thinking of and understanding, you know, if your credit card details are taken and people are able to steal money from your accounts or run up debts on your behalf. But it's those other harms, isn't it? Those more intangible harms can lead to anxiety and real suffering. And I think we're only just really beginning to understand sort of online harms, for example, if you look at what's happened, especially in the UK and further afield, uh, around cyberbullying. I mean, we've seen some truly tragic cases where teenagers have taken their lives because of online bullying. So the impact um, in terms of what happens in this sort of environment is is profound. Um, So it goes well beyond just material loss. I mean, that can be bad enough. I mean, to to have something stolen from you is, is horrible. But we shouldn't underestimate the psychological human impact of what happens to our data, especially when it's manipulated uh, and we're profiled and and discriminated and exploited. All of those things happen and are very, very real for the people that it happens to. And I think we too easily write that off. And of course, these harms we're talking about, they aren't just theoretical, are they? They have happened and terrible things have occurred and people have suffered real harm. Yeah, I mean, one one case that comes to mind, um, I think it was a couple of years ago now, was in in the Metropolitan Police. They they had a gangs database, uh, which also included victims uh, and witnesses in that sort of environment for for London, um, hugely sensitive. And they were found to have breached data protection legislation and not taken good enough care of that and disseminated it to people that weren't really entitled to, to see it. And that includes victims. You know, we're not just talking about offenders or perpetrators, but victims and witnesses. So the wide dissemination of that sort of information can have really, really significant impact uh, on those individuals uh, and wider and the wider community as well. So, yeah, we see, I think that there's a danger in this environment that we see almost daily uh, cases of data breaches, that we become almost desensitised to it and lose an appreciation that behind those stories there are individuals and likely those individuals will be us one day whether it's you know British Airways uh, or Twitter I mean we've seen uh, the Twitter hack recently where journalists have been targeted I mean we're very fortunate to, to live in a jurisdiction where journalists are free uh, we live in democracy but they were targeted for a reason in some parts of the world journalists lose their lives for exposing the government on other corruption so these things are very real and we must never take it for granted. I've said this before, um, that it's, it's too easy that because we live in this environment that we assume everybody does and that is very far from the truth, sadly. So looking forward, it's not just about penalising organisations or people who have the breaches. It's actually about trying to make people understand how to stop even themselves making a breach. Yeah, and it goes back to the point I made initially about harms that can be caused both unintentionally and intentionally. I think the intentional harms, it's important for regulators and law enforcement to deal with those. And we see that all the time, you know, hackers are getting more and more sophisticated. And it's the unintentional uh, harms, which are significant, which is where I think we have a really important part to play. So it's about educating organisations that handle data. And it's also about empowering individuals to challenge, to, to take responsibility for showing an interest in what happens to their data, who they give their data to. It's, it's a valuable thing. So don't just hand it over without without thinking about who you're handing it over to. So both of those areas, unintentional and intentional, need to be addressed, but they, they require very different tools. 
and we need to tailor our activities around how we manage uh, and, and mitigate the, the harms uh, in both those areas, both intentional and unintentional harm. And as the individual, like you say, we need to be empowered. We need to pay more attention, don't we, to these tick boxes that we're you know, just idly saying yes to things and agreements that we sign up to when we you know, buy new software or things. We, we should pay more attention. Yeah, I think we should. Um, that said, I think that there is certainly significant evidence that organisations that seek to exploit our data, both for commercial and other reasons, do, I think, sometimes make that process opaque intentionally. So you get very long uh, privacy policies and you've got to untick boxes and it's sort of double negatives. They make it very difficult to understand what is actually happening with the data. And I think So I think it's a combination of things. Individuals should be empowered, should take interest but also the legislation sitting behind that, working hopefully quietly behind the scenes to stop organisations from mistreating data and from taking advantage of individuals who maybe haven't the time to read a very lengthy privacy policy and, and really truly understand what the consent looks like. So I think it's there's a number of tools available, one of which absolutely is education and awareness, but it's not just for individuals um, to look after this for, their, for themselves and society. It's up to society as well, and including government and regulators, to, to make the whole environment as safe as possible. So the Office of the Data Protection Authority actually has a really responsible position. How do you come through the other side to try and help the individual who's been harmed? That's very difficult, and and that leads me back to what I mentioned before about that moment of real understanding that data harms often can't be fixed. Um, what you can do is give the individual uh, comfort that you are looking at it as an independent regulator, and that the organisation that has maybe done the damage um, will learn from that and not do it again. I mean, when it's intentional and criminal, that's another matter, and that needs to be dealt with properly and robustly. But we are living in a jurisdiction where, certainly from my experience, most organisations want to do the right thing, want to understand what doing the right thing looks like. The law can be seen as a complex beast um, and difficult to grapple with, but actually the principles are very straightforward. So it's about demystifying some of this and, and debunking some of the myths around data protection compliance and making it accessible. And that's some of the work that we're doing here, putting our guidance out in plain English talking about these things as proactively as we can. There's a, a number of things that we can do to try and to try and help that. But yes, we need to be able to uh, react when things go wrong. But it is absolutely our preference to try and prevent those harms from happening in the first place. And again, I suppose, trying to visualise those harms, that is quite challenging. The medical records, obviously, that you mentioned, you know, you can understand the damage that perhaps that can do but there may be other more subtle examples of where a data um, breach has led to a harm. One of the things that strikes me is that there's very little that you can do in this environment without leaving a vast trail of data. Um, even if you sit virtually doing nothing your phone is emitting your, your location, your geographical location. Um, so it's really everything about us so it's very hard to imagine a world where there is no impact if that data were to be exposed or manipulated or misused. Um, and again, it comes down to the context that each, each of us has our own personal lives and our activities around that and our own sense of what our private life is or should look like. So I think the thing that there's no one answer to what is a data harm. 
we all have expectations and we all have legal rights and I think our job is to respect that as a regulator and also listen to people to understand their own particular context and again we're moving to that in terms of the handling of complaints we're, we're working hard to uh, have a dialogue with the complainant to really understand what the harm has been for them rather than write it off because it looks trivial or feels trivial for us it's not about us it's about them so we we need to get better at having that dialogue both with the complainant but also with the organization because as I said, some of this is, will be unintentional, and if that is born from ignorance, then we need to address that too. That's the thing, isn't it? It's very much about how the individual is affected, and it's very difficult for us to judge you know, the level of anxiety or harm that that person is experiencing. Yes, absolutely. Um, and one leak of an address, if somebody is, is uh, being stalked, for example, and that address is now out there in the public domain, uh, whereas for most of us we're in the phone book, we wouldn't have a problem with that. But for one or two individuals, um, it can be really life-changing, that sort of um, publication of their, of their private uh, information. So we need to be alive to everybody's story. And this is an intensely human conversation. It's not about technology only. Uh, technology is part of the puzzle, but we need to move the conversation to be much more about us as individuals and collectively as a society and what the harms look like and how we can best reduce those going forward. And like you say, being in Guernsey, everybody does know everybody else, you know, through a couple of people here or there. So it's very much more personal here as well, isn't it? I think that's absolutely right. We may not be in a jurisdiction where we have the big social media companies here, um, but we have a part to play because privacy looks very, very different when you're in a small community. And the impact when things go wrong can be much more devastating for individuals. Um, we're very alive to that. So I think any regulator in a small jurisdiction will, will feel the same and sense the same. Yeah, so data harms do look different when you're in a small place like Guernsey as opposed to a large big city like London or Manchester where if a bit of data is lost in the street, it most likely end up trampled underfoot. Um, but if data is lost in the high street here, it's likely that somebody you know will, will pick it up and know exactly what, what they're reading and who they're reading about. And, and that matters to people. Privacy is, is recognised as a human right for a reason. It's not frivolous, it's not a luxury, it's a basic right. And it's, uh, I've heard it described as being a little like oxygen. It's only when it's taken away do you really appreciate how important it is in your life. And I think we're all, as I said before, very lucky to live in in a jurisdiction that we have those rights embedded um, and we have rights of redress when things go wrong but not everyone is so lucky. No we're very protected here aren't we really and most of us thankfully will not have experienced the particular harms that a breach can cause and like the loss of life in other less democratic areas of the world. We do need to be thankful for what we have. Yeah I mean it's, it's certainly regulating data is a challenge for any jurisdiction but I think we should always always uh, appreciate where we are especially in democracies that we have so many rights that many many individuals and societies across the world don't have. Just to give a very general summary of some of the harms we have discussed some of them but could you give an idea of maybe the worst one that you've experienced or heard about that caused such terrible harm to the individual? A lot of the real harms, looking back over many years of, of not just this jurisdiction but working with other regulators in similar jurisdictions, is mostly around medical information and uh, criminal conviction information where that data are inaccurate and individuals are uh, 
have something uh, associated with them, especially criminal records, for example, and that then follows them around. And I've seen that happen and it be inaccurate about an individual, but it had life-changing uh, impact in terms of employment, in terms of personal relationships and ability to get loans. So all of those things, you think all, all the bits around your life that, that keep it going in the way that you want it to is about family, it's about work, it's about your home. And if all of those things fall away, you're left very, very vulnerable. Um, and I have seen that happen, and equally with medical information that can be incredibly private when that's disclosed to somebody that's not entitled to have access to that. It can have huge, a huge impact on, on emotional well-being as well. It has no immediate uh, material uh, consequence for an individual, but uh, it changes and shifts the relationship that person has with their friends and with their family in a really profound way. It's that domino effect, isn't it? Just that one small thing that causes many other events to take place after that. Yeah, and I think we shouldn't underestimate the emotional harm uh, that privacy breaches cause as well, sort of psychological and emotional damage uh, to individuals when they feel uh, their privacy has been breached and it can go on and on. I think some of these harms uh, will, uh, you know, won't manifest themselves for years and if, you, if you're thinking about you know, lost medical records, for example, and they don't turn up at all, you're constantly left thinking, well, who has them? Where are they? And if you don't get any answer to that, then every day you'd be worried about that. Um, so, yeah, it can have very, very serious consequences for individuals. Thank you again for helping me understand more about data harms. I think that's one of the things, isn't it, that we all need to learn, is that one small incident can have a massive impact and also how accidental sometimes just a small breach can be but lead to such terrible consequences. Yeah, so I think we all have a duty to ourselves and our families and our society to be aware of the importance of this law. And as a regulatory office, we need to make sure that we respond properly to breaches and investigate those properly, but at the same time support organisations to get things right first time because clearly it's in everyone's interest if we prevent the harms from happening in the first place. Emma, thank you. Thank you.